of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. All of us know and can picture right now the seal of the work which we have here placed on the front of the altar, the seal of the work. We see there a simple cross at the heart of the world. It's not like a, like a pendant or a medal that you would wear that has a cross that is encircled as though the cross were like surrounded by a circle or restricted to its, ex, its, its extent or what it ought to be. If you look at this seal, this is not a circle. The circle is not a circle, basically. It's a globe. It's the world. And it's good uh, every time. I think it's a good thing to do, uh, to explain to somebody when you come here, well, this is our oratory, I see, and that's... Uh, our Lady, well, they, they all know that, of course, uh, even pagans know that, but, uh, uh, well, this is uh, our order, this is where we have Mass every day, and this is Stations of the Cross, and uh, and this says Ave Maria, which means uh, Ave Maria, and, uh, <laughs> you know, which we all know, right? And then you might say, well, this here is the seal of the work. It's, it's a cross that is inside the globe or inside the world, inside of God's creation, where all human beings are. It is not simply like a cross, period, that is sort of encircled in order for it to be, I don't know, held together or something. Um, it's not a circle. It's the world. And the cross has to be placed there inside the world and all the realities of the world that we know from work, from friendships, from uh, play, from family life, from all those things that happen in our daily life. So let us look now at that cross now with new eyes and a new vision. Because as soon as somebody is told that, oh, that's, oh, that's not just a cross in a circle, that's in the world, they immediately click. They immediately, just upon hearing that, they understand that the cross has to be in their life, in their world. The other day I was walking to Kintour along Bloor Street. It was a cold day. And I was just walking by the Rom, or just before, let's say, just as you pass philosophers walk there. And I looked across the street and there's a section, there's like a tavern, it says the museum tavern or something like that. And there's a place that says something like Joga House. And uh, there's another, anyway. 
uh, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. To McDonald's a little bit further. But then I noticed for the first time, which maybe it's been there for a long time, but I, I only just noticed it the other day. It's a kind of a logo that it's hard to describe now, but it looks like an upside down cross with a kind of a boxed sleeve above on the upper part of the upside down cross. Kind of think of the, you know, the download symbol when you're downloading something and you click and, uh, but instead on the downloading thing, it's a cross. And uh, I have to go by there again and see, what is this place that puts an upside down cross with a, with a kind of a do flicking on top of it? as though this box is holding the cross that seems to be pulling it down, it would seem. But maybe I've misunderstood. I, I don't know. Maybe it's meant to refer to yoga or something. I don't know. But uh, I looked it up and uh, yoga has a different symbol, but it's kind of like a cross. But, but what is clear is that the cross in our life, in our world, in our globe, in our daily affairs, does not or should never pull us down. Like that cross seems to pull down whatever that thing is. Right? On the contrary, the cross has to be raised <coughs> in order to draw all things to itself. They, the cross raises us up. Raises us up Anybody who is on a cross can see and see around him, see the landscape. He, he can see much more like Paul, Paul Mickey and his companions in Nagasaki in the 16th century. And we celebrate today. He was actually crucified together with 23 other clergy deacons, Franciscans, and laity. He was crucified there in Nagasaki. St. Francis Xavier had arrived in 1552. No, sorry, he arrived earlier, but he died in 1552. And within 30 years, there were over 200,000 Japanese that had become Catholic. And uh, at first things were okay, but many of them were converted thanks to Spanish missionaries like St. Francis Xavier. And there were some suspicions about what they were coming to do. And uh, one of the powerful ministers there, or uh, military uh, attaches to the government of Japan, got, in, got uh, the wrong idea when he, they, they found artillery in one of the Spanish ships, and they said, okay, that's it, we're sentencing a whole bunch of Catholics to death. And they had them all marched to Magasaki, which is like 600 miles, and that's where they were crucified. But they could not get any of these martyrs, well, these, these, these Catholics, to say any words of reproach, any words of anger. They were happily carrying their crosses, literally, literally carrying their crosses. And even when they were being crucified, they were singing the Tadeum. They were singing the Tadeum. And in fact, that's where uh, Paul Mickey is said to have preached courageously to those who came to mock them from the cross. And there's paintings of that, all these tons of people 
all tied to these crosses. And he said, the only reason for my being killed is that I have taught the doctrine of Christ, he said. I thank God it is for this reason that I die. I believe that I am telling the truth before I die. After Christ's example, I forgive my persecutors. I do not hate them. I ask God to have pity on all, and I hope my blood will fall on my fellow men as fruitful rain. He said that from the cross, that my blood will fall on them like fruitful rain. He didn't say that with anger or bitterness or resent, resentfulness. And indeed, by saying that, that fruitful rain drew many more souls to the church in Japan. That's what the cross does. And that's what we have to, we are here today to try to understand how the cross draws us to the love of God, draws us to God. Now, if we fast forward now to 1931, we can picture St. Jose Maria now on August 7th, 1931, when he's celebrating Mass in Madrid. And there, precisely at the moment of the consecration, he had a kind of a mystical experience, a kind of locution. He says the words of consecration, as usual, of course. He raises up the, the host. And it's at that moment that he, that he heard the words from the Gospel of St. John. Et ego si exaltatus fuera, fuero a terra, omnia tram ad me ipsum, and I, this is our Lord speaking, if I were to be raised up on the, off from the earth, doesn't say raised up on the cross, but raised up on the earth, I would draw all things to myself. Well, traditionally, the fathers of the church have seen this to mean that that phrase from St. John is Jesus is saying, he's like making a kind of premonition of himself being raised to the cross and that and that the salvific power of the cross, of him being raised up, that's when he's raised up on the cross. When you're on the cross, you're raised up above all others. But that raising up would draw all things, all men, all souls to himself. And now, our father, he knew that phrase, presumably, and he knew the idea of the, of the salvific power of the cross. But now he, he, saw, he sort of saw it in a... In a new way, you could say. Um, at first he was afraid, he said, but then he sensed a deep sense of abandonment. And he suddenly saw that we can draw all things to God, or God, rather, could draw all things to himself. Yes, through the cross, but especially through our daily work, our daily life, the daily things that we do that that drawing to himself would be done by us in our daily work. That's why, that's why the, the cross is there inside the globe, inside the world. And this was a, I guess you could call that a mystical experience. It was an experience of uh, God communicating himself to the Lord. And he had this locution, I will draw all things to my loving heart. 
and he kind of sensed, don't worry, I'm not angry at you. And he was left with a deep, deep sense of confidence. Our father said, I understood that it would be the men and women of God that would lift the cross with the doctrine of Christ to the pinnacle of all human activities. And I saw the Lord triumph, drawing all things to himself. Y vi triunfar al Señor atrayendo así todas las cosas. And that, that picture that he saw of our Lord drawing all things to himself, that, that really gave him a lot of abandonment and peace and calm. Remember that the image of a, of a cross at that time perhaps evoked maybe in some people a sense of maybe fear or trepidation that that God was maybe angry at us because we, we put him up there with our sins. And, and it was hard for some people to feel abandoned just at the very sight of a cross. Perhaps you heard of the 18th century Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards. I mean, he was a Puritan, so he wasn't Catholic, but he has a very famous uh, 1741 uh, sermon called We Are Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. We are sinners in the hands of me. He, he, he held out his hands like saying, this is God. You know, I'm going to destroy you because you sinned. And his sermon combined a very vivid imagery of hell with uh, different observations of the world and how people were sinning. And he emphasized the wrath of God to unbelievers and the very real horrific reality of hell. And it seems that during his very sermon, he kept being interrupted by people saying, oh my God, when am I going to be, uh, am I ever going to be saved? I'm not going to be saved. And the people were fainting and passing out. And he was going, you will be. You know, he was, he was uh, very, uh, yeah, it was pretty dramatic. You know? And um, that was the imagery that he used. He made people feel extremely um, fearful, I would say, would be. And, and no doubt some people did change their lives and to live more upright lives, I suppose, and maybe maybe abandoned sin or some kind of sin that they were living. But, the, but, it, but it was still in the face of a kind of a, a fear. But when our father saw that, he did not see God wagging his finger at him. Um, and we must think about that, right? God is not angry at us when we go to confession. And we have to imbue the, the people coming here, the girls that come here. He's not angry at us. He's not mad at us. He's not up there on the cross saying, you know, I'm going to destroy you for doing this. Our father wrote about this later on in his intimate notes that he had now suddenly understood what is called the sensus pleniors, the deeper sense of that scriptural passage. It's both, in, in, in both senses, both the sense that, that men and women 
ordinary men and women would lift up the cross with the doctrines of Christ and their their human activities. Like it doesn't even say work; it's just their human activities. Whatever they do, go on excursion, do whatever. You will draw things to Christ, and uh, and with the doctrine of Christ by by it's not just by doing stuff, but also by knowing and loving the doctrine of Christ. And, uh, you know, this can happen to us too. When we read the scriptures, when we read, where we do our daily reading of the gospel, that, that we, may, we can discover the sense of splendor, the, the deeper sense. Maybe you'll read something, you'll get moved, you'll get touched by it. And uh, if we have something that happens to us at work, that makes work a little bit more difficult. Uh, if this person that I have to work with or, or that thing that happened is a bit more difficult, in that moment, maybe I, I, I assume that sometimes you're under a certain amount of pressure, uh, a schedule, you have to get this done, you know, this many things done. And it's always amazing to me that uh, at 6 p.m., the light, the green light is on and we can go. You know, it's ready, you know. And once in a while, like like way once in a while, it's six oh one, right? Everybody's going, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something profoundly wrong here. You know, you know or six oh two, you know. And the residents are going, Oh my god, there's a there's a problem, somebody's died or you know, but uh, and well that takes uh, I guess it takes organization, it takes planning and uh, and everything is warm and uh, and uh, but that, that means that there's maybe pressure. You know, we gotta get, get this done, get this done, get the bread in the oven uh, before it gets. Uh, I don't know what, uh, and it can't stay too long. It'll get all dry, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I, you know. But uh, but can I see that I'm drawing all things to myself there? Or no, not to myself. To, to, <laughs> I don't draw things to myself. I don't know why that, that doesn't make any sense. I draw things to myself. <laughs> I did this, yes. <laughs> Look at me, everybody. You know, do I draw all things to you, Lord? So that's why when our father saw this sensus plenior, this fuller sense or this deeper sense of those words of our Lord, I will draw all things. When I am lifted up to the earth, I will draw all things to myself. We have to see how we can draw things to Him. By the way we work, by the way we do it with love. And that means, since I would imagine that your schedule is pretty regular, and most of the time you do pretty similar things every day. I mean, it's not you do, you don't, you know, I don't know. You don't present, present caviar every day, right? So it's, it's, it's going to be pretty regular and that's true for 99.9 percent .9 of people in the world we have a fairly routine schedule i guess you could say and that routineness that kind of sameness can mean that sometimes we don't we, we miss the the sense of splendor the the deeper meaning of what we're doing we just go through in a rote fashion, the things we've already done many times. But maybe if we can see it with a kind of newness, 
Press the microwave with a newness. <laughs> Press the buttons, newness. You can be like an athlete as you do that. And uh, fold the things, fold the, the, the purificators and the, and the sheets with, uh, with a love, but with a newness. You know, I'm doing this, and as you're doing it, there's this magnetism that, that, that uh, is energized in the universe. We can't, can't say the same old, same old, just fold this thing. It could be a dance. You can have a dance when you're folding. I suppose it takes, uh, I suppose it takes two people to fold the sheets. Right? So, you know, you go like that, and then it can be like an egg, I don't know. But not that you have to start dancing, but... Uh, So here our father saw something about the cross and he saw its magnetic power. It didn't pull us down as that symbol, that logo, but it somehow pulled us up to God. And that power of the cross was beyond what he had fully understood. It's not just a physical cross. It was the cross in the world and a cross that goes really in the world, that is present there. It is as though the power of the cross and its magnetism could now attract more than usual. It could attract from within the very DNA of the world. You don't have to wear a cross for this to be true. The cross has a kind of a special code that could attract souls to God and certainly to repel the malignant one, the devil. So imagine as you do your work, as you live fraternity, as you try to put yourself there into the get-togethers and listen and come up with cool ideas and interesting ideas, you, you're somehow repelling the malignant. The devil doesn't like to go to your get-togethers. He really doesn't like it. And we don't want him there. Right? We do that with our prayer, which also the devil doesn't like. With our struggle, with our spiritual warfare. I heard about a guy in the Southwest who, who was a police officer, and he was brought up a Catholic. But... Uh, his formation as a Catholic was that the devil was just a basically medieval mythology and symbolism and it was nice uh, he had heard about the devil but he didn't really give it much importance until he started working as a police officer in in some kind of special felons unit there where he had to process certain felons that had done pretty that had been convicted of some pretty horrible crimes and there he describes I mean, he wrote a book about it called, I think it was called like The Devil in Your Life or something like that. But uh, uh, not that the devil is in your life, but the devil exists kind of thing. And he said he really saw the real evil in, in many of these convicts, felons who had committed absolutely horrible crimes. Um, and uh, he saw this and this, this basically made him believe in the devil. And, uh, and yet, just as we can we can draw others to Christ with the power, the, 
the fuller sense of the, of the cross, we can repel the devil with the fuller sense of the cross. I heard of a lady in Utah who, this was all captured on uh, you know, one of these cameras, who went to a store to visit her friend, and her friend had just lost her sister, and this lady, she was a Christian, and she was just interested. She would go there practically every day to the store to visit her friend, and uh, uh, at the moment when she went there, the, the store was being robbed by a felon who had been you know, convicted numerous times and was now on parole or something like that. And uh, he was in the midst of tying up her friend, who was the cashier, and, um, and whatever, he, I guess he had taken the money, and, uh, and actually he had poured lighter fluid on this lady. He was going to light her up. But then this lady came in, and this kind of, uh, you know, took him off guard, and uh, she saw that he actually had a cross on, on him, on, on a chain or something, and she said, Oh, you're a Christian. And, uh, and she gave him a big, a big hug, right? And, uh, and this kind of disconcerted him, but he still took her, tied her up, poured, you know, this, this lighter fluid on her as well. Um, and then actually, well, then the, the film cuts because they didn't want to show that, but uh, um, she's later shown in a kind of a police interview she survived that. Her friend survived. Uh, they caught the felon. He got several life sentences. But um, she was amazingly forgiving at him. And she she appeared there. And uh, one of the reporters says, uh, Ma'am, could you tell us why you have such a short haircut? And she says, well, it just got all burnt off. <laughs> and she was very... Uh, Kind of flippant about it, and she—you could see she had marks on her face, for, you know, second-degree burns and stuff on her face. And um, and he—they asked her, "What would you do if you met this 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 thief, this felon?" She was, "Well, I think I would just give a big hug like that, right?" And uh, and uh, all the police officers, everybody, all the journalists were just like just left completely flummoxed by the, the wonderful testimony of this woman who was very forgiving, very cheerful. She had a discolored face from the from the you know, from the burn marks and stuff. But she was very forgiving, very very loving, really it was quite beautiful to see. And that had a profound magnetism. That's the magnetism I would say of the cross. And um and uh, the, you know, the sermon of Jonathan Edward was scary and, uh, and, and, and frightful. We have to have the magnetism of cheerful people who, who, who really attract souls with the doctrine of Christ, the truth of Christ, the meaning of, of Christ's love uh, to him. And... Um, that's what our father said in conversations. You know, by his death on the cross, Christ has drawn all creation to himself. Now it is the task of Christians in his name to reconcile all things to God, placing Christ by means of their work in the middle of the world at the summit of all human activities. You see there, it's just articulated. What, what he discovered had that locution back in 1931. Now he just articulates it in a more, I don't know, more clear way, right? So... The pandemic is now one of those crosses. Maybe it's a bigger one, but we have to maintain our optimism and 
we must see it in the light of God's magnetic love. You know, where's this daily cross gonna draw me to Christ? And um, I have to focus in my work, but I also have to rest. I have to rest. You know, focus is you're focusing on one thing, doing this, but resting is more like kind of open and and less. Uh, less intense in that sense, we also also have to learn our rest. That too uh, will be a way to draw all things to you, Lord. We ask our Blessed Mother who stood at the foot of the cross, who was an instrument of that, that she intercede for us so that this magnetism of the cross become a reality. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.